0: Is this thing on? Welcome back to another episode of The Summits Podcast. Thank you for joining us today from wherever you guys get your podcasts. Or if you're watching right here on the YouTube channel for the Heroes Foundation, we appreciate you guys watching. Um, If you are watching there and you haven't hit the subscribe button, please do so. Also hit that little notification bell so you can be alerted when new episodes like this one drop we would appreciate you. Uh, today's episode uh, features a friend of mine, Dr. Nick Zoromsky. Dr. Zoromsky is a um, local physician here in town, um, but we will we'll let him introduce himself here. Uh, Dr. Zoromsky, thanks for joining us on the, today's episode of the Summits Podcast.
1: Guys, it's great to be here. Thanks. Uh, my name is Nick Zoromsky. I'm a professor of surgery at the IU School of Medicine and IU Health, and my um, clinical practice is taking care of patients with pancreatic liver and bile duct problems in the department of surgery so i deal with a lot of um, cancer patients and particularly pancreatic cancer vince and i go back a number of years (laughs) a few and we go to the same barber we do oh
0: yes yeah (laughs) you guys must be big tips we do. Yeah. We yeah. get the high and tight. doesn't right. take too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're very efficient. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, Nick, where'd you, where'd you grow up? I grew up mostly on the east side of Cleveland in a okay. town called Painesville, Ohio. My dad was a um, college professor and then uh, subsequently had a career change and worked for the YMCA and communications on the mm-hmm. east side of Cleveland. Um, we... Yeah. Um, we actually lived in Crawfordsville for a couple of years when he taught at Wabash college, I was like six okay. years old to eight years old, but mm-hmm. the majority of my, um, youth was in Cleveland. I went to college at uh, college of Worcester, which is a small liberal arts school in Ohio mm-hmm. and then medical school in Toledo. After that, I did a few years of, um, lab research at Mayo Clinic in Rochester yep. and we came to Indianapolis in 205 um ostensibly for a year so that i could do fellowship advanced training in pancreas and hepatobiliary surgery and then that was 18 years ago so It's right. <laughs> so it worked out pretty well yeah, yeah exactly right i was on the delayed program remedial program <laughs> <laughs> um so you grew up in cleveland
0: basically uh what 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 is your team in cleveland are you a browns fan are you a I'll say, it, Guardians fan now. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I've been a baseball player. Baseball was my sport, right? Okay. Uh, primarily, and uh, and so I've I, I loved the Indians when they were the Indians. I've been to Indians games in the old Municipal Stadium, eighty-two thousand okay. seats, and there were approximately three thousand people in the stadium <laughs> back in the day. They they, they weren't real great. Right, um, right. And then loved the Indians through the years in the 90s when they were uh, World Series contenders, right, yeah. mm-hmm. one out away almost. And now the Guardians had a great run this year. You know? yep. um, when you're a Browns fan, you're always a Browns fan. Okay. Although I will say that their decision to sign the current um, quarterback who's coming out really um, is challenging. So I, yeah. I just call myself a Colts fan for football. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yeah. It's been a tough year too, but it's been a tough year too, (laughs) (laughs) but there's always a chance. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Can always get better. Right. (laughs) Can always get better.
0: So you mentioned, um, with November being pancreatic cancer awareness month amongst a few other cancers. Um, how would you describe, I mean, for those that may not know, like pancreatic cancer is, is not a, is not a great one. Um, the prognosis is, is not the greatest typically, um, Can you elaborate on that? I mean, why, why is that the case? I kind of know the answer, but for maybe those who don't. Sure,
1: right. So the pancreas is an organ. uh, Most people don't know they have a pancreas. The pancreas is an organ. It's located in the back of the abdominal cavity. It helps regulate blood sugar by making insulin and glucagon and other hormones. And it's also an important digestive organ. The pancreas makes about two liters of digestive juice every day. Okay, interesting. the common cancers. There's several types of cancer that can start in the pancreas. The most common type, or garden variety, pancreas cancer, is called adenocarcinoma. And between fifty and sixty thousand Americans this year will be diagnosed with pancreatic adenocarcinoma. The the incidence of pancreas adenocarcinoma is on the rise, um, and like you mentioned, it is one of the worst prognoses of any solid organ cancer. So if you look at everybody who's diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, the survival at five years, which as you know very well is sort of the metric where we try to get people out and call them cured, the five-year survival overall is less than 10%. Wow. Um, There's two big problems that are the cause of that poor survival. Number one is there's really no screening for pancreas cancer there's no mammogram or PSA or pap smear you know like I said most people don't know they have a pancreas and um you're 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 waiting on some other symptom to present itself to then point it towards it so you catch it later later the the symptoms um, occur almost uniformly in the very later stages of the disease so um, jaundice, y- yellowing of the skin and the eyes mm-hmm. because of blockage of the bile ducts okay. um, is a sign for, for cancers in one part of the pancreas. And for cancers in, an, in another part of the pancreas, there's really not much of a sign until okay. the cancer is large enough that it causes pain or weight loss. And at that point, the majority of people will have metastatic disease, b- disease that has spread outside of the pancreas and is inoperable at that point point. Mm. 75 or 80% of people present to medical attention with metastatic or advanced disease. So, yeah. Yeah. and that highlights the, um, the need really desperate need that we have to develop some sort of a screening protocol.
0: Right. And would that be, that, this may be a dumb question, but like, could it be potentially as simple as a blood test find, looking for some particular protein or something that Indicates there might be an issue.
1: There's that would be ideal. Yeah, you know, a good screening test. The characteristics are: it's cheap, it's very sensitive, it's widely applicable, and people don't mind doing it. Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. so blood test would be great. Urine test would be great. People are working on it. There's an enormous amount of work, including um, some of my colleagues down at IU who are working um, very vigorously on 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 uh, developing screening and early detection right um well if they could have that done by next week that'd be great yeah.
0: I mean sure. yeah, <laughs> they're almost there I'll let them know <laughs> you yeah, it, so. <laughs> yeah. the
1: um you know the other problem is perhaps even more challenging which is that biologically the tumor is really aggressive right and um So the sensitivity of the tumor to chemotherapy treatment, to systemic chemotherapy treatment is is really quite poor. So even when people are diagnosed early and have surgery to remove the primary tumor, the main tumor, many, if not most will reoccur, have recurrent cancer and die as a consequence of the recurrent cancer because the chemo is not, um, nearly as effective as chemotherapy for other solid organ tumors. In fact, almost any other solid organ tumor breast, colon, you know, you can go down the list. So, so two of the big problems with pancreas are no, uh, screening, no Mm -hmm. early detection. And then, um, fundamentally, again, there's a lot of work going on to try to understand the basic biology of the tumor to identify different targets for treatment. Yeah. We're making some strides with um, understanding the genetic underlay of, um, of the tumor right. and um, how we can use some of the, some of the genes or, or identify some of the circulating tumor genetics, circulating tumor cells. Um, my, my good friend Chris Wolfgang, who's in New York at NYU now, is, is doing a lot of good work with that with that type of, um, project, but so pancreas cancer is tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, typical protocol surgery more often than not, correct? So depending on where people are diagnosed, if people are diagnosed with advanced disease or with metastatic disease, then chemotherapy treatment is the standard of care. The goal of chemotherapy at that point is to slow the cancer down. It's not curative, okay. mm-hmm. and so the balance is quality of life and quantity of life, and um, that's that's a, that's a um, challenging discussion, a challenging right. decision for people, and everybody. Everybody's different, of course, yeah. and mm-hmm. depending on their age and station in life, and um, and so forth. When people have operable disease, then what? Um, what our group has, um, then the best treatment includes surgery and chemotherapy and the question is about sequencing of treatment, you know, what comes first, what comes second and the way that our, our group as well as many, um, uh, major pancreas centers around the country are approaching this these days is to give a little bit of chemo first what we call neoadjuvant, as you know, neoadjuvant okay. chemotherapy, and then a, sh- a break to let the patient's physiology recover, and then surgery. And then after the patient recuperates from surgery, we continue with the, the completion chemotherapy. So sort of okay. a sandwich yeah. type of a treatment. Yeah. Um, the surgery that you're more often than
0: not performing is, is it the Whipple? Is that
1: correct? So, um, is the medical name yeah, and I, I, I Dr. W-A. Dr. Alan Whipple, <laughs> uh, it was a surgeon in, uh, in New York city at Columbia. Okay. Um, and so the, his name is attached to, he was one of the pioneers, doing this type of work. Whipple is obviously easier to say than just a Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, a th- little bit. so that, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a complex operation. It involves removing the head of the pancreas, the first part of the intestine, which is called the duodenum, which is intimately associated with the pancreatic head, okay. sharing a lot of blood supply and so forth. And then the bile ducts from the liver, one of the jobs of the liver is to make bile. And so the bile ducts that, um, drain, the bile, the digestive juice run right through the pancreas. And so the Whipple involves removing the head of the pancreas, the duodenum, the bile ducts, and then we need to reconstruct all that. So right. that's uh, pancreas, bile duct, duodenum. It's a big it's a big plumbing job, really. I mean, I, I, I'm not even close to being a
0: doctor by any means. Um, You're close. Right? You and I yeah. have had this conversation. Right. Well, yeah, yeah th- this is as close <laughs> as I get. Um, I think you and I have had this conversation just being around the, the the industry per se um, more than the average bear. Sound, saying Whipple sounds really simple. Oh, it's, they just did another Whipple surgery, but it is a super complex surgery. And I know you've done however many of quite quite a few of them. Um, would you agree? I mean, it's it's a fairly complicated. process. Everybody
1: agrees. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. It's one of the most complex operations we do in the abdomen. Um, the IU. The reason that we came to Indiana is because IU has um, a leading, we're a leading pancreas center, including pancreatic surgery. We're the busiest pancreas surgery group in the country. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so we do a lot of these. I, I, personally, I haven't, you know, counted precisely, but it's well over a thousand in my career in pushing, you know, close to 20 years now doing this work. What's the, what's the duration of that surgery from time you start to the time you end assuming you know an ideal situation yeah on average about three or four hours for, um, for me in my yeah. hands it can certainly be longer in you know it can be up to six hours on average okay. depending, on, depending on on the tumor depending on you know what what yeah. what some of the other factors are um so it's a big deal yeah it is yeah it's a big project so that's the that operation addresses tumors that are in what we call the head of the pancreas and then if tumors are in the other side of the pancreas where the intestine the duodenum and the bilect are not involved then we remove the left side of the pancreas what we call yeah. a distal pancreatectomy which is also a big project but Relative to the Whipple, it's it's not quite as um, involved. Yeah. There's no reconstruction. There's no, you know, sewing the organs all back together. Right. So, what is the, what, any,
0: any life changes to the patient? Like you remove a portion of the pancreas. The good news is, let's say they survive and they're, they're moving on four or five years from
1: now. 50 50, right? No, well, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but let's say <laughs> four or five <laughs> years from
0: now, you know, the, the, the cancer's in the rear view mirror, so to speak. Um, any any changes to their lifestyle because they're missing half their yeah, pancreas? Yeah, for sure. So
1: the function of the pancreas, again, sugar regulation and right. digestion. And depending on where um, people are coming into this, we they, they will possibly or likely need to take some sort of medicine or insulin okay. to help regulate blood sugar and or take some digestive enzyme pills to help with digestion. So... Right. And again, th- th- this is a um, complex biological process. It depends on an in- individual patient. It depends on how advanced the cancer is and how functional the remnant of the pancreas sure, is. But yeah. those, those are the main um, uh, main changes. People, remarkably, I mean, the human body is an in- extraordinary organism. And remarkably, people really have good quality of life in general, the vast majority yeah. of people. After major GI surgery, major gastrointestinal surgery, okay. pancreatic surgery, um, and and again the, the um, life-limiting effects most of the time are related to the cancer biology, as opposed to the you know the the surgical reconstruction or right. missing part of your pancreas. In some circumstances, we take the whole pancreas out. We need to take the whole pancreas okay. out either to clear to clear the cancer. I mean, we're talking about cancer for heroes, um, obviously, but um, you know, there are other conditions of the pancreas where we need to remove the entire pancreas. And so people can live without a pancreas. Okay, That's my next question. Yeah. It's um, it's challenging, particularly from the sugar regulation standpoint, particularly Mm -hmm. from the diabetes, the new insulin preparations make it easier than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago for sure. People have sensors and pumps mm-hmm, right, and yep. things like that. And that's, I mean, light years beyond poking right. your finger six times a day and, for sure. um, yeah. you know, giving yourself shots and, yeah. and things, but it's still, um, but that's a major change. And so I would say probably the sugar regulation piece is the most, they were um,
0: cons- not considered, I know they've considered it. Have they ever gotten
1: to the point of talking about,
0: um, pancreas? Um, not, uh, I guess, organ donation from that standpoint of, you know, transplants.
1: Sure. Yeah. So people get pancreas transplants. Okay. okay. Um, and in fact, uh, Dr. Jonathan Fridell is our uh, chief of transplant at IU is um, one of the busiest. I, I don't know our numbers this year, but definitely one of the busiest, if not the busiest pancreas transplanter in okay. the country. And that number is less than a hundred in a year. Oh, so. Wow one of the challenges of the solid organ transplant is that the body rejects something that's not its own so and the pancreas has a ton of um, immune cells and it's it's hard to prevent the rejection so um so the solid organ transplant piece is not um, prime time in terms of um, treatment of not having a pancreas or having low pancreas function People have worked on bioartificial pancreata. That's, I was going to ask, floral yeah. of pancreas. for yeah. Those scoring at home. <laughs> yeah. And there's actually some really exciting work that's, um, you know, that's coming out, showing that you, you know that you we're able to replace the pancreas function without putting anything back in. Okay. But um, you know, again, that's not quite ready for prime time. But yeah. management of this problem is is uh, really going to be more medical, I think rather than, you know, putting in an organ transplant. Okay. Mm -hmm. When we um, remove the pancreas for a condition called pancreatitis, chronic pancreatitis, which is a scarring disease of the pancreas, um, there are very select people who will be good candidates to reimplant some of the the sugar-regulating cells, what we call okay. islet, so I-S-L-E-T, like little islands. Okay. And so what we do is um, remove the pancreas, digest the organ, separate the islet cells, and then put them back in into the liver, hmm. where some of them take up residence and actually function. And Mm -hmm. so that's called the total pancreatectomy with islet cell auto-transplant, TPIAT. There are about a half a dozen centers around the country who do this type of work. Um, And our our program um, is is among those centers. And so Mm -hmm. that's, you know, I do that stuff. I do a lot of chronic pancreatitis stuff too. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, there's a, a little a bit. A lot that uh, goes into all know, the different right. pieces. A D- little tangential this. Yeah. from the cancer yeah. piece, but I mean, but you're the one who asked me about the pancreas, yeah. so yeah. that's yeah. your yeah. fault. Yeah. It's
0: interesting. For something right. that maybe not so many people are familiar with what the pancreas does or what it is, there's there's a lot that goes around it. Oh, oh as I the yeah. more you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah the more you <laughs> um, <laughs> so the that, that's a good background. Um, I'm, we're glad you're here at IU doing that stuff for sure. We're definitely better off having you here. Um, but that's not necessarily your, your cancer story. Um, once you, once you share that, if you would. Sure.
1: Sure. So, um, the, the cancer, my personal, um, well, we've had, we've had cancer in my family, but probably the most poignant cancer story in our family is related to my daughter, Sarah, who is now nine. And when Sarah was six, she was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, A-L-L um, on her sixth birthday, oh. which was oh. the first day of school. And um, she um, was, t- was cared for at Riley Hospital. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Allison Yancey, is her medical oncologist who really is a spectacular, as she's a wonderful human being and a terrific doctor. Sarah was admitted to the hospital right away for about a week that night. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when we got the call on a, on a beautiful fall night, um, and she was in the hospital for, I think, five or six days, initially getting induction therapy, getting a, Put mm-hmm. in for the mm-hmm. chemotherapy, and then she took chemotherapy for over two years. Okay, wow. A lot of it at home, mm-hmm. which is beautiful, but also mind-boggling, <laughs> even for medical professionals. My wife Jennifer is a is a physician and, and uh, a general surgeon and extraordinary mom. Um, Sarah's number five of our six kids, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um. And Jen actually stepped back from her job, took a took a leave of absence, really for for this period when Sarah was sick, so she could help um, coordinate her care. And uh, it was hard; it yeah, is hard, yeah. and right. it's you know it's still hard. Um, thankfully, she finished the uh, chemo uh, in December of a of a year ago, so she's mm-hmm. almost a year out with no chemo. Um, and is cancer-free at this point in remission still or cured? I, it's hard to think about the word cure, you know, right, even yeah. even as a, as a doctor, but more importantly as a father. Um, we know that all of her prognostic signs are good and prognostic numbers are good. And... She's feeling
0: feeling well. She feels fact. great. Yeah. 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 She
1: feels great. She, um, you know, she's in um, fourth grade at Immaculate Heart. Yep. And has run on the cross country team for two years now, and played some basketball this, this winter. And nice. um, does she have your basketball skills, or her, her mother's? That's right. She scored zero points all season, <laughs> <laughs> so she got her dad's basketball skills. <laughs> Actually, that's not not fair. I, that's that's not not even true. She did score a basket. There you I, go. I, I missed that game, but uh, yeah, I think the score of that game was probably six to two or something like that. Hey. You, can, hey. you remember fourth grade? Oh, yeah, yeah. very B-team B- basketball, yeah. right. <laughs> A lot of dribbling, a lot of traveling. A lot of fouls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not many fouls called. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's beautiful. So, uh, uh, yeah, so that's, you know, it really hits home. Yeah. As you know, um, stories are stories, but until it happens to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: we're, we're certainly glad Sarah's doing well. Um, Sarah's story, I think is, is somewhat similar to, to many other kids who um, who had to unfortunately go through that uh, experience in that the community quickly rallies around. You know, I remember our kids were in school at the time and, um, you know, Megan came home and was telling us about it and all the kids just immediately were like, you know, form this team, if you will, regardless mm. of what they're in the same grade or other other grades, and I think it's you know um, attributed somewhat to the to the school and the community that we're all a part of. But to watch these kids rally around one another and and say, you know, hey, we're here for you, however we can help, whatever that means, or how you know however that plays out, uh, is is always cool to watch and cool to see. And I think uh, I think it's part of the process, and I
1: think it helps for sure. There's no question. Oh yeah. man, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, our community is really, uh, you know, it's going to bring me to tears, really, to think about this response. You'll have to edit that part out of the the podcast. It's all good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, within days, we had so much support from the school, from our our neighbors, from our friends, you know, the people made a meal train, Mm -hmm. and we, I mean at some point we had to turn off the (laughs) military because there was so much food coming in the kids were like, can we just have some of our regular food? (laughs) How about some tacos? I mean, it was so great. I mean, it was great for me. I was like, this is all, you know, but, um, the teachers, you know, Donna Nunley was Sarah's teacher Mm -hmm. and, um, Mrs. Patterson was Sarah's teacher and they had the big bear from Riley when she was in the hospital. They, put the bear in her chair and they did, you know, zoom calls and so forth. And I mean, it was just really, really amazing. Three months or four months into this COVID happened. Right. And so then, you know, everything was shut down and it was, uh, I mean, that's an, it was an entirely different, um, nuance to the, to the problem into the treatment, you know, and, um, Yeah. Community support um, is, is really, you know, my professional practice of taking care of, of patients with cancer, I recognize the importance of family and community, but this really painted it in an entirely different light, you know, to, to, yeah. to really feel all of the generosity. And, and, you know, again, I mean, this speaks to the work that you guys are doing, with the with the foundation supporting people with cancer and supporting families with cancer, we got some Legos when Sarah was in the hospital. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but just the uh, how important it is for people um, thinking holistically. Of how is somebody going to get get through treatment? You know, from diagnosis, which is mm-hmm. overwhelming, right. to managing the regular life which does not stop right. whether it's school or work or work for the parents the other kids, the other kids yeah. um, and then you know the ongoing treatment and then just uh, the sense of having support is way more than having a good doctor prescribing the right medicine doing the right tests keeping an eye on things it's a really it really takes a village to get through a yep. cancer diagnosis Um yep preaching to the choir well, obviously hmm. here with you guys but but it gave me a different appreciation for the um for the whole journey if you will
0: mm-hmm. well you and jen have guys you, you and jen have been really supportive of the heroes foundation you guys have been in many of our events and we we appreciate that and um as as you said you now have seen all sides of it mm-hmm. um and so you, you, you certainly get it. I don't, have to, I don't have to sell you on any part of it. There's no question about that. Um, so we appreciate you guys doing that. We appreciate your professional uh, relationship yeah. to, to this community and, and what you guys are doing at IU um, on the pancreatic side and, and, and everything else that's going on. Um, as I said before, I'm we're glad you're on our team and, and here and supporting this community. And um, we wish the rest of your team um, success and all the things that are working on, the research and whatnot that's going on down at IU. Um, and hopefully that will certainly pay dividends for the rest of the community, if not the state or the country mm-hmm. or the world in um, the not-too-distant future. So thank you for your your time and, and sharing your stories. I um, yeah, appreciate a- Anything
1: that. you have for us, any questions, I'm afraid to ask? Well, yeah. <laughs> 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 like, who cuts your hair? No, yeah. a, I, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you guys. Um, I, I, we, I appreciate everything you do. You know, it's good. Uh, um, Vince and I met through – the Immaculate Heart of Mary and, and we're on a retreat now. It's a lot of years ago, probably 13 (laughs) years ago or 12 years ago. Yeah.
0: We were in our teens, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, and so it's, um, you know, it's humbling to to realize as you walk through life that all that everybody has stories like this, but, mm -hmm. but I think it's a, it's a really, um, it's labor of love, but it's also been beautiful to see heroes grow and, and flourish. And I'm glad that we're able to support it.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks.
1: Well, thank you for sharing your story. We yeah, appreciate thank it. You. Thanks for coming in today. Mm-hmm. Glad to be here. Go home and get that, that,
0: new new yeah, fade for right. Right, <laughs> the weekend. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> and thank all of you guys for listening on this episode of the summits podcast. So again, wherever you're listening or if you're watching on the heroes foundation, YouTube channel, thank you for doing so. We appreciate you guys joining us you have any comments, any, any, anybody that you want to see, any, any, uh, stories that you want to share, throw them in the comments there. We, we always like seeing those. So, uh, again, thanks for joining us and don't forget beat cancer.